Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia. And today we're going to be joined by our co-host, Wesley Perkins, who also makes appearances on WOAI 1200 AM with our good friend Chris Duell on Spurs React. What we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and pre and let's say recap, I'm sorry, game six that occurred between the Spurs and the Nuggets yesterday. I'm so excited I can't even talk um, and talk about that great win that the Spurs had against the Nuggets. And we're going to preview game seven that will be coming up this Saturday at 9 p.m. So let's go ahead and dive in, uh, Wesley. And what did you think about this game six? I know a lot of people didn't give the Spurs a chance. I did because I picked them to win the series in seven. So it's kind of fallen into, you know, fruition, I guess. But there's still, you know, one more game left to play. So I don't want to get too excited. But what did you think about that game six? What stood out, you know, at you right away? Well, I think that we finally saw you know, the team put a, put a, put forth a great effort, you know, defensively, um, offensively see, you know, we, you know, I know you and I both talked about that. Steven talked about that the other day. It, it's, it's great when you see the ball go in the hole, a lot of things go well when you see the ball go in the hole. And specifically when you saw Rudy Gay come off the bench and he's hitting those corner threes, uh, you know, it opens up the floor for his teammates and for others. And, you know, LaMarcus and DeMar both had very efficient games. Uh, the Spurs are pretty hard, let's be honest. The Spurs are pretty hard to beat when those guys are scoring above 20 points apiece. And uh, when you get a third guy in, in Rudy to do his job and score 19. And um, and then Derek returned, you know, after his heroic, you know, 30-plus point game performance, you know, um, you know, in game three, he, he'd kind of laid um, – some goose eggs there in the last few games. And uh, so I think in a culmination, you, you had four or five Spurs that really stepped up. And as a team, everybody just gelled. And um, maybe the biggest, you know, the biggest answer was, would be heart. And we saw them play with heart. We saw them play with urgency. And, uh, you know, the Nuggets kind of looked like sometimes we, we know they can in this series. They kind of looked like the young and, and young and inexperienced team. Um, thinking that maybe the same effort from the, the previous game would be enough. But in a closeout game, Joe, you know, it's you got to bring it a bit bigger and a, and a better intensity. And uh, I, I will tell you this, it it it, uh, it should concern Nuggets fans a bit that even after the, this game, the Nuggets players in their post-game interviews uh, didn't quite know what to think about a game seven, didn't quite know how to answer questions about what the atmosphere would be like. But you know, I, that's why I trust this team, the Spurs. They, they aren't always consistent. They have some times where they go um, they go way far, you know, and, and to the to the left, and we don't see them execute well on offense or defense. But when they're on, it, they're pretty hard to stop. Yeah, they are pretty hard to stop. And what I saw yesterday is Coach Pop devised a game plan that I had been screaming for for at least, I guess, game five, you know, even in game four. I had seen this, you know, and he kind of did exactly what I guess every Spurs fan was kind of thinking. What he did is he let Nikola Jokic go ahead and feast. He let him have his, you know, and, and Nikola Jokic, he put up some good numbers yesterday. He had 43 points to go along with nine assists and 12, and 12 rebounds along with one block and two steals. He let Nikola Jokic feast, but on the opposite end of that spectrum, we were able to kind of contain Jamal Murray a little bit because instead the focus was on the guards, you know, specifically Jamal Mer Murray, uh, Gary Harris. They were 
keeping an eye on Beasley, Morris, you know, all these guys and even Barton, you know, all these guys that were kind of beating us uh, because they were just shooting at it from beyond the arc. They were getting, you know, open, open looks, you know, uncontested shots. So the Spurs made more of a concerted effort to play defense and kind of take the the bench, you know, kind of the, the backup players and the starting guards out of the game. And it worked. You know, the Spurs were able to pull out a, a much needed win and do it in convincing fashion. And to me, that was very instrumental for what's going to be set up for game seven that will be coming up here on Saturday, because if the Spurs were, were able to win game six, Wesley, and they only won it by like two points or five points, I think the Nuggets would come away with feeling very confident. You know, oh, we love our chances in game seven. I think now what happens now that the Spurs were able to win game six in convincing fashion, it puts all the pressure now on the Denver Nuggets team, you know, and they're kind of young. They haven't really been battle tested yet. And we have two carryovers from the Spurs 2014 NBA championship team and Patty Mills and Marco Beninelli, not to mention DeMar DeRozan's been in several, you know, playoff battles. And so has LaMarcus and some of the other members of the Spurs roster. I like that because that means that they've been battle tested and they have experience. And I think if this is a very close game going into the fourth quarter, that that experience will play through and play in favor of the San Antonio Spurs. So I'm expecting the Spurs to take care of business over in Denver and hopefully come away with the win. Uh, what are you? What are your expectations? And what do you think about what I said about the inexperience of the Nuggets team? Oh, absolutely agree. Uh, you know, it's you have such a young team and a very talented team. I, I, I don't think anybody's going to question. You know, we've talked about this in, in the other games, uh, even the games the Spurs have won, that uh, the Nuggets, quite frankly, are the more talented team. They they just happen to be also the most, you know, inexperienced team in the playoffs uh, uh, as of now. Maybe the Clippers kind of could fall in that category, but specifically for being a two seed, they're so inexperienced uh, with their what they're facing. And, you know, as I was talking about with the, you know, with what Nikola Jokic was saying after the game, when he was asked about facing a game seven and the reporter specifically asked about game six saying, well, you know, if game six was supposed to be a game seven atmosphere, what are you expecting from a game seven? And his first words were, I don't know. And to me that rang alarm bells right there. That says, uh Oh, hope, you know, the Spurs know this, they already have that, but, if you've got your best player who just threw down a all NBA, all world performance in that game, you know, six saying, I don't know what it's going to be like, but I, I guess it's, it's a pretty good thing that we have home court. That to me signals, you know, there's, there's a lot of youth to be exploited there um, because that's your, your right, Joe. I mean, the, the Spurs know um, DeMar specifically has been a part of, uh, more than a few game sevens in his career. Um, and you have the championship experience, as you noted, in, in, in Mills and with uh, with Bellinelli. And, you know, I, I think that's where we finally saw, you know, in this game six, the breakthrough of, of the Spurs bench that we had all been expecting really to happen for all of the series. But it was great. And, and even then, you know, with with only one of the bench players in double digits being being Rudy Gay, you still had good, efficient performances. And I think that's fine. You know, not everybody has to score double digits off that bench, but they have to come in and provide stability 
they have to come in and provide leadership and guidance and, and fuel to the fire to keep things moving. And um, to me, when you're talking about a game seven, that's where I think sometimes that young team could be exploited is you who's going to be the calming force. You know, Jokic could be and he doesn't he doesn't seem at all flapped by any any part of this. He's very unflappable. But, you know, I don't know. There's a lot to be said when you're a jump shooting team like the Nuggets are. There's a lot to be said about, you know, what happens when that jump shot starts to feel a little tighter, when you start to to get a little bit less confident. And um, certainly if it had been a two point game in that game six, I would say that probably the Nuggets are pretty confident they're going to go home and close the deal. But, man, you know, a 17-point blowout, there has to be a lot of doubt going into that into this Game 7. And even if they do know, hey, it's 0-0 it's, it's zero, zero at this point, 3-3, three to three, it's time to roll. Whoever wins this game wins the series. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, you have to tip your hat to the Spurs for their effort, and you also have to say that, you know, the experience is going to play a factor in this Game 7. Yeah, I think that experience is going to come back and – it's going to be, in, you know, helping the Spurs possibly win this game on the road. And I'd like to point out another matchup uh, thing uh, or a matchup, let's say, that Coach Pop kind of tweaked. And that was he took out Davis Bertans. You know, he didn't really I didn't, I didn't even see him play. I don't even believe he played a single minute in yesterday's game, to my recollection. And he ins- he let Rudy Gay have the majority of those minutes. You know, Rudy Gay played... 28 minutes, 15 seconds. He scored 19 points. He had two assists and he had four rebounds and two blocks. So Rudy Gay was playing at a high level and he only had one foul throughout the whole game. And the plus minus for the night, Rudy Gay was a plus nine. We need Rudy Gay playing at this high level and he needs to be executing on the offensive end. And I think by taking out Davis Bertans out of the equation, maybe due to mismatch issues that you know that that coach pop saw letting Rudy Gay loose giving him those minutes i think really helped out the spurs and not only did we get help from Rudy Gay but we also got uh some good quality minutes out of uh Derek White he played 27 minutes 31 seconds he had 13 points on the night he also had two blocks he had two assists he had a rebound you know, the only thing that I, I've been noticing with Derek White is he's got to kind of watch his fouls. He had four fouls in, in, the, in game six, so he's kind of he has to watch out because we need him in the game. We don't need him to get in foul trouble. Another person who stepped up big for the Spurs, I think, was Bryn Forbes. Bryn Forbes, he played 30 minutes, 29 seconds, 12 points on the night. Uh, and a quiet on. 12 points, right? It didn't, didn't seem like it was there, but you look in the was. stats and you realize it, it, you know, he was a very efficient player, very yeah. efficient. And he also had two uh, three-pointers on the night. He was shooting 50% from beyond the arc. He, he uh, connected on two out of the four uh, three-point attempts that he made, and he also shot five for eight from, you know, as far as his field, goal per, field goals go, he was five for eight, which he was at, I think it was 62% on the night. So he was shooting, you know, in, at a high level. And 12 points on the night, I mean, that was great because we needed all those points and we needed this production out of, you know, the the supporting cast, out of the starters. We needed everybody playing at a high level. And I think that's what we got in yesterday's, in, you know, yesterday's game six. And you'd like to see that trend continue. Pop even put in like, you know, in garbage time, he had Dantas, Montejunas, he had 
Dante Cunningham. He played Lonnie Walker, Quincy Pondexter. Even though they're not playing big minutes, you like to still see them get some minutes in crunch time going out there and try to get in some type of rhythm to know that, you know what, your number might be called, so you need to be ready. I thought that was a good move on Coach Pop's part. Um, everybody's screaming for Lonnie Walker to get more minutes. I'd like to see the young man play, but if Rudy Gay, in his, uh, let's say, the scheme that Coach Pop is cooking up for Rudy, letting him play more minutes is working, I'd say just stick with it. You know, if we need to play Lonnie, let him play. But at this juncture, let's just go with what's working. Well, and as you said, too, you say it best. I mean, it, it's like you don't know when you're going to have something come up. I mean, yeah. I, I think back to the history. I, I like to explain things through history, you know, uh, of what's happened before this. And, you know, I remember, uh, I, I'm believing it was, uh, it, it was either 03 or 05. I think it was 05. Um, and Steve Kerr had not been playing a whole bunch. Uh, and it was against the Mavericks. And, you know, you, they needed something. They needed something else. They they had some some issues with, with the flow of the offense and just needed something different. And, Pop turned to Steve Kerr and he saved the day and they go on to win the title that year. Um, you just never know in a game seven, you, you, the, that one or two minutes that, that uh, Montejunas gets or that, uh, that you get from Lonnie Walker or that you get from, from Cunningham, you never know. Somebody gets saddled, like you just pointed out, great point about Derek White. If he gets saddled in foul trouble, you got to have somebody to come out there and defend those guards. The point guard position, they'll be fine because they've got Patty or they've got DeRozan who can run that, uh, run that lead guard role. But man, you know, if you get saddled into foul trouble, you have to be able to trust, even if it's, uh, it hasn't been done much in the series, some of those guys to come in and do something for you and give you a good four or five or six minutes worth of time. Yeah. So, you know, we, we got to trust in coach pop, like Chris Duell is always saying, he goes, we, we trust in pop, you know, and pop, we trust. So, yeah, that's one thing that we got to do, you know, and fortunately, you know, for us that we do still have a coach pop as our head coach. And that's a very good turn of events for us because he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, these tweaks didn't really come to fruition in the prior games, but we just got to be happy with the way things are progressing. I still like the Spurs chances in this game, you know, game seven, and we just need to see DeMar and LaMarcus perform at a high level. You know, in game six, they both scored in double digits. You know, DeMar finished the game with 25 points, seven assists, seven rebounds, and he only had two fouls, which was great. We needed him out there every minute Mm -hmm. that he played. I mean, without him playing at this high level and scoring the points that he did, we'd probably be in big trouble. Uh, Mm -hmm. LaMarcus Aldridge, he had uh, 26 points on the night. He also had five assists. He had one block. And he had 10 rebounds. He had a double-double, you know. So I don't understand, you know, the, the hate that LaMarcus gets from these Spurs fans. LaMarcus, he's been performing pretty well here in these playoffs. You know, he's averaging a double-double. And a lot of fans are very critical about him. Oh, he's too soft and he, they're calling him out. He's not playing good enough. And you know what? If it wasn't for LaMarcus playing at that high level because at times DeMar DeRozan hasn't really been consistent in this series. You know, he's had uh, times where he doesn't really score. You know, he's not a very prolific scorer because of the defensive schemes that, you know, the Denver Nuggets are throwing out there. But I like LaMarcus and his consistency, I got to say. So I don't understand what this 
hate is with LaMarcus Aldridge blaming him all the time because they want him to be a Tim Duncan-esque type of player. That's never his been his forte. He's never going to be a Tim Duncan. There's never going to be another Tim Duncan. And to compare him to Tim Duncan is doing him a disservice. We need to just yeah. say, this is Absolutely. LaMarcus. This is his game. This is who he is. Just support the guy. Quit being so critical of him at times and blaming him you know, for, for the Spurs' losses. The Spurs win and lose as a team. It's not one player's fault when they lose games. It's the team as a collective whole that didn't play up to standards that lost them the game. Too many mistakes are not ex- executing on the offensive end. So to blame LaMarcus solely or to blame one person out of the whole team you know, this is their fault. That's absolutely asinine and ridiculous. I think it's unwarranted it hate from the San Antonio Spurs it is. fans. And, and Joe, you know, too, I, I look at it and say people don't appreciate enough how much he's grown as a player in San Antonio. Um, you know, in Portland, we knew he had a variety of moves. He, he always tortured the Spurs when he played for Portland. but Especially in the paint. Oh, yeah. But then again, he was not the defender that he is now. He was not, you know, his rebounding is maybe around the same, but there's a certain toughness that he has under the boards now, uh, whether it's on the offensive board, whether it's on the defensive bo- glass, uh, blocking shots. He's much better as a defender now than he was at any time while he was at Portland. And that's the part that I think we always tend to focus as fans on the offensive end of the floor, because that's the, that's the flash. That's the glitz. But you know, I think people really, if they want to see some things, you know, go back and watch some old film of, of LaMarcus playing, uh, not necessarily poor defense at Portland, but not nearly the kind of physical, you know, presence that he is now. Yeah, he's toughened up a bit, you know, under the, the leadership of Coach Pop. And he's kind of flourished from the defensive standpoint, as you just stated. He's kind of upped his game quite a bit compared to how he was playing over in Portland. And I think that kind of is something that Spurs fans overlook. You know, in yeah. a lot of Spurs fans, too, they kind of overlook the contribution. One of the biggest uh, factors in the win that happened, I guess, in game six, should I say, was the play of Jakob Portal. You know, he didn't really have like 23 points on the night. He played a very great, solid game. He had a lot. He was very busy on the defensive end. He was, you know, contesting uh, to go up and get rebounds. He was helping the Spurs out quite a bit from a defensive standpoint. He had eight points on the night, and he also had one block. He had two steals and nine rebounds, and he was quite active on that defensive end. I think with him playing at that high level, the Spurs have a a really good chance of moving on, you know, and and beating the Nuggets in Game 7. But it's going to require this Herculean effort that the Spurs put out in game six. They can't get lazy. They can't get complacent. It's going to be hard to get a win, no doubt. You know, you're going to have to move around a lot, move without the ball. You're going to have to go under screens, over screens. You're going to have to have, you know, players for the Spurs just come out, set screens, you know, try to do a pick and roll if it's possible. They have to do a lot of things to help clear out the lanes if they're going to do isolation plays. They have to do a lot of the little things I guess, correctly for the full 48 minutes. If they can do these things much like they did in game six, I I believe again, Wesley, that the Spurs have a great shot 
of winning this game seven and be going, I say, should I say, they're going to go down in the history books as one of the teams that came in as a number seven to beat a number two. Um, I think it just comes down to the X's and O's at the end of the day, Wesley, how well they execute the game plan. And I think they executed it really well in game six. Do you think we're going to see that same execution happen in game seven? Are they, from a mental standpoint, do you think they're, only, they're going to be able to keep that going? Yeah, I do. Uh, this it's the it's the weirdness that we've seen about the Spurs throughout the regular season too, right? The the rodeo road trip was kind of that that the microcosm of all this. You saw them start to struggle, and it seemed like time after time they would struggle and stay in that rut. And then they got back home, they won a game or two, and then bam! All of a sudden, before you know it, they're winning nine in a row and against you know the likes of the Warriors and and you know. Uh, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks and so on and so forth. I think that this Spurs team, once they kind of right the ship, they just become a much more confident animal. Uh, and, and that happened, you know, during the regular season as well, where they would go through a little spurt that, you know, seemed, you know, very, very timid, very tentative, like we saw in games four, uh, excuse me, games, uh, you know, five and six from them. But I feel like right now their confidence is super high. I think that, you know, DeMar said it best when he said, you know, we've always trusted in Rudy. We knew that he would come to be the player that he's been for us this whole year. And, you know, I, I think that we all know that that is true. You know, it's, you know, those players know who they are. Um, the one thing that we've been seeing about the Spurs all of this year is that they have a good chemistry together. They believe in one another. It may not always go their way, but they truly believe in each other. And that's, I think, partly is just the experience. And, you know, Joe, you said it, you know, the, the bench, he shortened down the minutes, Pop did for, uh, you know, some of the players, but specifically he didn't play Bertans at all. And what he did was he gave the majority of the minutes to Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, Marco Bellinelli, which tells you right there, we're going to go with our most experienced guys. They know how to get the job done. And I'm looking at that for, for game seven saying, how can they do this again? Can they get this same kind of level of, of intensity, same kind of level of play? Yeah, 100%. Because I think those guys went back to being who they are. They went back to being the, the type of players that have been dependable uh, this entire season. And, and even in Patty's case, the three ball wasn't going, but he still played a good game. Uh, and, and Bellinelli, same thing, very efficient. Uh, and, I, you know, look, don't be surprised if maybe Rudy scores 11 in this next game, but maybe... Uh, Bellinelli scores 15 or, you know, Patty scores 12. The, the bench was the huge key the other night and in game six, you know, 36 points to 13 for the Nuggets. And, you know, it, it's it's a huge thing. And the rebounding as well, like you said, with Jakob and, and, and LaMarcus and others uh, winning the rebound battle 41 to 37. You, you have to look at those things and see that means that the, the Spurs are number one, controlling the pace. You can see the score to see that, but you see that the rebounding, the toughness that's going on. And to me, that's where the Spurs have to be uh, in that same continuing mode is they, they, they might say, look, you know, Jokic, you know, as you said, Pop's going to try to make him the score. You can have your points, but every single one of these three-point shooters is going to be very uncomfortable. We're going to chase you. You're not going to get your normal shot. And I just think that when, when the time comes, you you put enough pressure on these young cats, and it's and it's going to make them, uh, it's going to make life tough for them. It's going to be hard for 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 the Nuggets if the Spurs can do that.
Yeah, I'm just going to switch gears here real quick. One NBA update that I'm looking at right now, a game that I'm I'm looking at as we're recording this podcast right now. And I'm looking at the Golden State Warriors and the Clippers game. They're late in the third quarter, and the Golden State Warriors are up on the Clippers by a score of 76 to 64. Things aren't looking very good for the Clippers right now, and it looks like the Warriors are going to be moving on to round two to possibly face off against the uh, Houston Rockets. And I know we have a lot of Houston Rockets fans that, you know, like to comment and talk, especially on Spurs React. We have, you know, Brian Mendoza and Eric Winchester, great guys. You know, they're always diehard Rockets fans. And I'm going to change gears real quick because I just want to address this. Who do you got, Wesley, <laughs> if you got you got the, the Warriors and you got the Rockets? Who do you think is going to win that series? Hey, I was secretly hoping you were going to ask that because uh, this is going to be an epic, epic series. Uh, It'll be fun know. to watch, no doubt. Oh, man. Uh, you know, and I know we're not supposed to say that because we're supposed to hate the Warriors and supposed to hate the Rockets and whatnot. And, you know, they're, they're rivals. I mean, we, we're, we're always going to want our team to do better. But uh, I'll tell you what, you know, it's going to be really hard to pick against the Warriors being the super team that they are. However, lately, you've seen some real dysfunction going on in that team. Uh, you've seen, uh, like today, a report came out that, you know, Kerr was at the, the press conference and, uh, you know, the guys in the background were, were playing loud music and, and Draymond was kind of responsible for that and was asked and told by the coaching staff and by Kerr to, turn it down because they needed to be able to hear the media and you know, he didn't do it. And I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe he's too much has looked into that kind of thing, but it just, they, they don't seem to be playing the same quality of basketball. Maybe it's a little bit of boredom. Maybe it's a little bit of, you know, fatigue after all this time, these years, it's tough. They're playing extra seasons, but if they're going to be vulnerable, it would be this year. Um, and, uh, especially with Boogie Cousins going down. I, I The Rockets are rested. Uh, I think they, honestly, of all the teams in the playoffs, the Rockets are playing the best basketball. And uh, it's going to be pretty hard to see, a, a, you know, James Harden come back for revenge against the Warriors. And yeah, it's going to be hard to pick against the Warriors. But you know what? I got the Rockets. I'm going to be honest. I got the Rockets. I think the Rockets have just have – what it takes this year. Harden is just in a different level uh, this year. I, I really feel like the Rockets in a very tight matchup, probably a seven game series, take it uh, and advance to the, to the Western conference finals. You know, it's funny that you say that because I have side conversations with some Rockets fans that'll slide into my DMS either on, you know, Twitter or Facebook or various other places on social media. And they're very, you know, respectful and they're, you know, they like what we do as far as the podcast and they respect our opinion. So, you know, they'll go ahead and ask me, you know, what do you think about the Rockets chances? Or what do you think about certain scenarios or certain matchups that are being played? And, and I'll tell them the truth. I said, look, the law of averages tells you that you're due at some point in time. The Rockets have seen a lot of, you know, things go south for them. You know, things haven't gone their way in the playoffs. Their expectations might be high for whatever reason. It's either going to, you know, happen because of injuries, other factors that fall into play. You know, their three-point shots aren't dropping like they were in the, you know, 
in, in last season's matchup, which everybody picked the Rockets to move forward and go to the finals. I think the law of averages this time favors the Rockets because they're playing at a high level. They're actually playing some decent defense. I think that Chris Paul's going to remain healthy, especially against these Golden State Warriors. And the Warriors have shown vulnerability. If you get inside their head and you start playing them, you know, really close and, and you you're, you take the physicality to them, you know, and, and you're, you're very physical, you're making them work, they get frustrated. And once they get frustrated, they crumble from the inside out. You know, they start blaming each other. They start getting out of sorts. And we've seen them, you know, have those implosions on more than one occasion, even going back to the regular season. So I think they are vulnerable. And I think that the Rockets have that sour taste in their mouth, much like the Spurs did when they lost in the in the NBA Finals to the Heat. I just think that history right now is going to be in, in going in favor of the Rockets. I think the Rockets are going to be able to overthrow the Golden State Warriors. And who knows where they can go from there. There's no guarantee that they're going to be in the finals. But I think they, at least this season, I think they're going to be able to upset the Warriors. And we're going to see them in the Western Conference Finals. So either way, Wesley, I don't have a dog in this race. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, I, you know, I just know from a fan perspective, I will be watching this series. And I, because I have a love for the game of basketball. So I'm going to enjoy the ride. It's, it's going to be thoroughly entertaining to say the least, Wesley. Well, you know, Joe, isn't isn't it true? I mean, you, it's it's exactly what we're talking about. There's more parity in the NBA this year than we've seen in a long time. Uh, even a team like the Clippers, who really they have no superstar, they have no all star for that matter, and uh, you know they've put up two games against the best team in the world, and and done it convincingly, and won back from a 31 point deficit, which is, shows a lot of mental toughness on their part. But you know, you even look across in the Eastern Conference, and you say, you know. There was always, you know, there was always the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Heat when that when you know obviously the LeBron and the gang were over there. But you know, in the Western Conference, we've always seen some pretty deep playoff teams. But this year, I think is probably the deepest, for, really, for both conferences in some time. We don't know who could be, you know, truly in the NBA Finals. Um, most would positively say it's going to be the Rockets or the or the Warriors. You know. Um, don't but, you, you dare know, pick the the Toronto Raptors. I don't want to see the fake number two <laughs> going into well, the NBA Finals. I, I know, you know. I think I think that honestly, that you know, the Bucks or or the uh, the uh, <clears throat> hated Raptors probably would be a pretty favorable pick. But you know, also, also you, you know, you, you can't discount a team like Boston. Boston's got so much talent. You know, even if they didn't have quite the gel, I know Tatum didn't quite have the season that he had hoped for this year, but. Man, those are that's a loaded team, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to you know as much as I'm excited about watching this game seven with the Spurs, the rest of this NBA playoff run is just going to be wild. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, because it seems like you know going into round two, you got the preliminary teams out of the way. You know, and I hope the Spurs aren't on that list as far as being a preliminary team. When you get a round two, you got the heavyweights. You know, you got these big matchups with you know teams that have a lot of talent. And I think if you're a fan of the NBA, it goes beyond just, oh, I'm just a a Spurs fan at all times. We're Spurs fans, don't get me wrong, but we also have a love of the game. I've I've watched the NBA and I've watched various teams at a very young age. You know, I love the game of basketball and I love football. You know, I love baseball. I watch other sports besides 
just the San Antonio Spurs basketball, you know? So it's an exciting time. You know, if you're, if you're an, mm -hmm. a true diehard NBA fan, you love nothing more to than to sit down and watch these teams go at it. And it, it's, it's like drama, man. When you get these teams that are heavyweights and they go up against each other, it's how the media is going to spin it. The drama, the storylines, the pageantry, you know, it's all there. Yeah. And it's an exciting time, you know, especially in the world of sports when you have playoffs going on, especially NBA playoffs. Baseball's great. I love baseball, you know, but people really don't tune in to baseball until October. You know, that's mm -hmm. when things start getting interesting because that's, you know, playoffs for, for baseball lovers. And I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. I love me some Boston Red Sox. <laughs> yes, I know I'm in Texas and everybody gets mad at me for being a Red Sox fan. I've been a Red Sox fan since I was a kid, man. Hey, get you off know? my lawn. You can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah, I've been a Red Sox fan since I was a kid. It goes back because I have uh, family that lives over in Boston. So, cool. you know, I, that's just one of those things. I still remember going to some of the games as a kid, you know, to Fenway Park and whatnot. So I have fond memories, you know, so I love the Boston Red Sox. I know everybody, and especially in the studio, Chris is a big Houston Rockets fan, you know, and He's always rooting for the Rockets and the Rangers, and I'm just like, I, I, I don't mind if they win, but mm -hmm. I, I just, I don't have a love for the team, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I love, I love the games, you know. I love more sports than just, like I said, basketball. But yeah, things get interesting, you know, because me and Dylan Emery, blue collar sports dad, uh, we're both Boston Red Sox fans, so go Red Sox. Yeah, I'm glad. Let me ask you a quick question, Joe. Um, kind of back on what we were talking about with these matchups and the excitement of the, the playoffs. The Do you think that we're ever going to see a time when rivalries truly return to the NBA? Because, you know, I mean, we, we can think about um, – you can think about the Bulls and the Knicks, you know, in the 90s, how crazy those were. Um, of course, Lakers and Celtics always had storied rivalries. But, you know, in the Western Conference, you know, Spurs, uh, Spurs Rockets, of course, have always been great. But Spurs, uh, Jazz – uh, you, you've had so many great matchups, and most of them even not having to do anything with the Spurs. And I know that you know the Warriors Rockets maybe round two would be great, and for a second year in a row. But do you think we're going to see in the modern NBA any rivalries like that develop again? I think we will. You know, I think that it's on the horizon. It all boils down to talent. You know, and and right now we're seeing a lot of these younger players starting to come into their own, really make a name for themselves. That generation of player that we grew up watching, Wesley, because we are some some old fuddy-duddies here, um, <laughs> those players are already retiring. They're almost all out of the league already. I think the only OG we got left from our time is, is Vince Carter now, you know? Mm -hmm. um, once he leaves, I mean, that's pretty much it. It's, it's like a clean sweep of that generational type player that we grew up watching. This is a new generation of superstar for this next generation of NBA fan. So we're going to see some rivalries start to flourish or, or start to pop up. It might just take another season or two, but I'm sure you're going to have matchups like, you know, maybe the Bucks going at the Raptors and that might spark a rivalry or, you know, you're going to have already, you have this rivalry between the Houston Rockets and the Warriors, you know? So yeah, there's, there's some teams that are really going to have this uh, storied, history together and it, it's good for the NBA to see the Lakers come back and make a return to the playoffs because they have a history with some teams as well Spurs being one of them and you like to see that it's good for the game of basketball when 
you have these storied franchises make a return back to their glory days and come back once again and, and be in the NBA playoffs. It's unfortunate what happened this season. I think the Lakers just couldn't get it going due to injury. Uh, they're going to have a, a new coach going into next yeah. season and maybe a healthier LeBron. And, you know, maybe the team will play better. Who knows? But I think it's good for the game of basketball. And, yes, rivalries will uh, pop up again, Wesley. It's just going to be interesting to see what happens. You right. know, and it, it starts It starts now. You're going to watch, you know, these teams start building these rivalries right at this exact moment in time going into round two. So it, it's going to be a fun time, Lewis. I got to say, man. For sure. You know, and before we go ahead and end this episode, I'd like to say that I did see the Avengers Endgame. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say anything or give any spoilers or any hints whatsoever. I'm just going to say this. Everybody that's been a big fan and you think you're ready for these for this Avengers Endgame, but you're really not. It's it's grandiose. It's epic on every proportion that you can think of. And once you leave the theater, you're going to leave absolutely speechless. It's mm. it's like one of the best Marvel movies that I've ever seen. And it's saying a lot, you know. Well, it's it's really good. It's it's epic on so many on so many levels. So if you haven't seen it, make sure you go and watch it and don't spoil it for everyone else by saying stupid stuff on social media, saying what happens or I mean, save all that for the forums or a Reddit or something, man. Just don't spoil it for everyone else. That's that's just asinine, <laughs> man. Yeah. yeah, Joe. Somebody last night. Uh, I did, fortunately I didn't see it, but so the the uh, uh, those of you that don't know, of course, I'm a I'm a band director is is my regular job. So um, we had the ba the band festival last night as well going on there in Alamo Stadium. And so what happens is kids can can uh, tweet out messages or Instagram, you know, messages on onto. Uh, a link and it gets put up on the big jumbotron there at the stadium well a couple of times uh kids being kids put out spoiler alerts <laughs> oh my god and the whole crowd man you should have heard it the whole crowd goes oh <laughs> it was like, it was like i mean i'm just like and i just looked the whole night i'm like i'm i'm during the breaks i'm not looking at the board because yeah. i don't want to see it and of course, one of my friends saw it. He's like, "Oh, I wish I could unsee that." I'm like, "I don't care. Don't don't tell me. I don't want to hear anything about it yet because I still have to see it." So I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, remember it. It is three hours and one minute long. So make sure you you get a good, comfortable position in your chair because you will be there for quite a bit of time. And, yeah. and I gotta say, the key moment if you gotta go to the bathroom is the very beginning of the movie, man. If you gotta go. Go right then and there because you don't want to miss everything else that happens mm. after that. So you're going to be in it for the long haul. I made the, the the conscious choice to, yes, I had my snacks. I had some popcorn and I had a, a large drink, but I ate just a little bit of popcorn. I gave the rest to the kids. I had a large drink. I drank it slowly so I didn't have to go to the bathroom. There and I could stay go. there and watch the, the movie the whole time. So I was like you know like <laughs> rationing things out you know <laughs> yep yep that's i great. was like man i don't want to miss this i'm gonna i know i'm if i if i eat a lot or i drink a lot of soda or whatever you i'm gonna have to go to the bathroom at a key moment 
in the movie and I'm going to be like, damn, I'm going to have to watch it again. So see, that's where yeah. they need almost need an intermission. You almost need like a, like a 10 minute. Okay. Everybody, we're going to turn the, the movie off like the about two hour minutes. mark or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give you some time. But, uh, but no, man, I, I, I'm, I can't wait. It's going to be, it's going to be epic. Epic. And another thing that's going to be epic is this uh, next episode of game of Thrones. Me and Wesley are big game of Thrones uh, nerds. Yeah. So we're looking forward to this next episode at, this is where the the stuff's gonna start getting real. This is where it's gonna start really getting good, Wesley. And I'm not mm-hmm. gonna spoil anything for anybody, but if you're a big Game of Thrones fan, this week's episode is the one you're gonna want to watch, man. Yep, I I agree. And I, I listen. I know nothing except that the battle's about to happen. But I'm I'm here to tell you, Joe, and anybody who's seen Game of Thrones, you're you're gonna know these characters. But I somehow suspect, just my personal take here that that uh hodor the 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 kind of the big guy who has been carrying the uh um uh, bran who's kind of the the gentleman who doesn't have use of his legs i i bet you that bran somehow is sees hodor in in that dead army that's coming to attack and i'm kind of wondering if he gets a chance to control him you know, because he's got that mind control over him. I know if you're like a person who doesn't watch Game of Thrones at this point, you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But um, I don't know. My, my my friends and I were kind of talking about that. And it, it's, it just seems like uh, that's that's not a storyline that most people would think of. I don't know. Maybe I know nothing. But uh, it's going to be super fun. Lots of stuff and lots of people are going to get died for sure. That it, they are. You know, I think we might be saying goodbye to some of these major characters that we've we've grown to love throughout the the series so yeah it's going to be bittersweet man but you know it's a shortened season there's only six episodes but these next episodes i think from this point on they get longer uh with every episode that happens after episode uh three so there's going to be some epic battles no doubt some epic scenes and this is going to be one for the history books man you, you got to get your dvrs out and record it because you watch it but then you have to go back and like almost rewatch the whole episode again. Cause there's little things that you might've, might've missed, you know, things right. going on in the background or something. You're like, what did they say again? Let me, let me listen to that. You know? So I got to say though, Wesley, if you love game of Thrones, the ringer has a show uh, that they put on right after the episodes and that they, they talk about game of Thrones. They, they hmm. break down the episode. It's, it's like a live stream that happens on Twitter. It's very good, dude. And it lasts like maybe, two hours or something wow. it's, it's amazing yeah cool. I, every time i watch the, the the episode i make sure to go to twitter and i'm watching that live stream and watching them break down the episode talk about what's going on you know what they what they think is going to happen in the next episode and it's amazing yeah. because you have all the game of Thrones fans talking and all that so yeah that's we're digressing cool. but we talk about everything here on this show not just that's right. basketball so that's right so before we end the episode where can the people get a hold of you and you know, interact with you on social media? Well, of course, I'm on Twitter at Wesley Perk. Um, of course, you know, as we know, this this is all Spurs stuff. And uh, we said it last game. Uh, hopefully they get to keep going on and we get to keep talking about Spurs in the playoffs. Um, and if not, of course, there's a lot of things going on now. NFL draft. Uh, talk. I'm, I'm going to be talking a whole bunch about that. And in addition to um, you know, not too distant future, we're going to find out what the lottery order is for the lottery teams. We already know who are in the lottery, but we don't know um, the order just yet um, for that. So there's still a lot of stuff to look forward to in addition to the rest of the NBA playoffs. Um, 
but you know that's that's really my main source before i turn it back to you joe quick question yeah who do you got in game seven i got the spurs man picking the spurs in game seven i think it's going to be a very close game i think that the spurs are going to win and it's going to be in the winning moments of the game i think the spurs will win by at least four points or less man i think it's going to be one of those games yeah i i actually do too i i think that uh, we're going to see a very similar effort and, and just maybe ramped up a little bit more and get a little bit more, even more contribution from that bench. Uh, I see it being a, a, a close game, but the Spurs experience pulling it out in the end. Yep, I do too. So we'll have to pay close attention to that game tomorrow. And depending on what happens, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'd love to do a live stream and recap the game, but there's going to be so many things going on and it's going to be so late at night. I don't know if I'm going to go down commerce honking the horn with everybody else going crazy because I've done that, you know, especially yeah. after, yeah. you know, when the Spurs close out a, a, a team and they move on to the next round or I'm going to go to the, the airport and welcome the team home, regardless if they win or lose. Right. I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm supposed to be in the studio as well doing Spurs react with Chris Duell on WOAI 1200 AM. So it's going to be a, a busy night, dude. And then You're not going to get any sleep. <laughs> no, man, I'm probably not. You know, I'll probably be up to like 3 in the morning or something. And, yeah. and I'm not even going to be drinking. That's the crazy thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it is what it is. It's, it's what happens here in San Antonio. Fiesta and Spurs go hand in hand. So if you're not doing one, you're going to be doing the other, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Viva Fiesta, folks. Have fun. Yeah, Viva Fiesta. So you can also get a hold of me, you know, uh, Two Shots Podcast, and it's all spelled out. T-W-O-S-H-O-T-S on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also check out our newly revamped website at twoshotsnetwork.com. And you can also find us on two, the number two, Shots S-A. So for Wesley Perkins, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, be kind, we're out, peace. Peace.